1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. This is episode 94 and it is a big one because Roma has reeled in the big fish, so to speak. Paulo Dybala has accepted Roma's overtures and I mean, guys, biggest signing since Batituta. If it's not, it's got to be close to it, right? Yeah, there's no doubt that this is the biggest signing Roma has done in
2: terms of combination of being at their peak as a player and name brand, and just so many different things. Uh, it's not every day that you're able to sign one of the biggest stars of Argentinian football, if not, you know, global football. Uh, I think the only other signing that re- signings that really come close are Edin Dzeko and Tammy Abraham. And Abraham wasn't exactly as proven uh, as Dybala is. And Dzeko was from a smaller country, all respect to Bosnia. Um, and, you know, obviously was also kind of on the older side, whereas Dybala, if we're signing him to a three to four year contract, we're getting him at his peak.
0: Yeah. I think in my memory, at least, Jekko is probably the, the only decent comparison. I think like Jimmy said, Tammy was a little, you know, a little bit of a younger profile. And at the time we thought Jekko was missing piece to put us over the hump when we had, um, you know, Salah and thoughty and DDR and all those crew. Um, but I would say that I never expected Roma to land a player of Dybala's character, uh, caliber. So I think that in itself speaks to the level of, you know, how big of a move this is for the club. And um I don't really care the circumstances surrounding it, so to speak, but as long as we got our man, I'm happy.
1: Yeah. I mean, the detractors will come out and say, well, he was making 10 million or whatever at Juve and, um, you know, Inter offered him eight. It wasn't enough. And he, he, waited too long so they went elsewhere and now he's stuck with Roma but hey guess what from a Roma perspective like you guys said Dzeko's got to be the, the the next biggest thing in the last 15 years that I've been following the team 15-16 years I wasn't around for the 2001 Scudetto unfortunately I've started following the team a few years after that but just from everything I've read about that Batista signing and, and how it kind of put Roma over the top this has that feel to it obviously we'll get into what else Roma needs to really take that next next step but I mean like Jimmy said, Dybala, is a household name in European football around the world. He's been playing for Juve now for a number of years, proven player, but still just 28 years old. I mean, this was huge. i When, when the rumors first started about a month ago, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's, you know, we're going to get linked to guys because Mourinho is here, but are we realistically going to beat out Inter? Probably not. It seems like he has his heart set on it. And here we are, July 18th now. The news started to break yesterday on the 17th. We're recording, uh, late afternoon here in the the Eastern time zone. So it's just after midnight in Rome. And this is, this is huge. I mean, this is just from the perspective of Roma as a club. I mean, this is a big signing. The Freedkins are leaving their mark on this club and, and we got to talk about how did Roma like just manage to pull this off, right? Because we've gone through so many transfer windows over the years as, as a collective here, you know, in our, I don't know, collective like 50 years as fans of this team, I guess, or so. And, you know, we get linked to players all the time and bigger clubs end up stealing our thunder all the time. And this is a guy who could have gone anywhere. He's a free agent, right? I mean, if he wanted to play for four and a half million, he probably could have gone anywhere. If he wanted four and a half million, I'm sure Juve would have re-signed him for four and a half million, but the circumstances played in Roma's favor. But I think it really all comes down to how the club has changed under the Freakins in this last season and a half. Now the whole policy has changed. You know starting with bringing in a young uh, up-and-coming DS in, in Pinto, who's actually called a GM, like in an American term, general manager, and then having the, the audacity really to go after Jose Mourinho when they did and really splash the cash on him. Without Mourinho, we don't have Tammy Abraham, and we certainly don't have Dybalo, right? I mean, it, it, and Ed and Dzeko was mentioned earlier. Without Ed and Dzeko going to Inter, I don't think either of them comes either, right? The circumstances all played <laughs> out to Roma too, so this is really a change in management philosophy.
2: Yeah, I would 100% agree with that assessment. I would say that there's kind of, I, I see a bit of a uh, connective tissue between the Mourinho signing, the Abraham signing, the um, Dybala signing, and also, you know, based off of the rumor mill, uh, <laughs> keeping uh, keeping our, our guys Zaniolo around. Um, I'm seeing a club that, is very willing to strike when the iron is hot to notice when there is a unique circumstance that might give Roma an opportunity that a club of its stature, like one step below the super clubs might not normally get and be willing to hundred percent pounce. Um, I think that I've al- we're also seeing a club that is far more comfortable standing firm on its salary demands of players far more comfortable standing firm when bigger clubs come calling for its players. Um, And just in general, uh, developing a system where players want to be in Rome. Um, So, we talk about Tammy Abraham, for example, he could have gone to pretty much anywhere in England and he didn't, he went to Italy. Um, and there, were, there have been several rumors that Premier League clubs, big Premier League clubs were trying to pry him away from Rome this summer already. And he said, no, I'm happy in Rome. Um, so I think that what the deal is here is that we're seeing a personality shift that I don't think we necessarily got when the first American ownership group took over uh, back, I believe that was 2011. I think that sounds like the right, timing uh, of when the Di benedetto Pelota group took over, Uh, what we're seeing now is perhaps because Mm -hmm. they've dealt with a lot of the debt, uh, but also just because of the largesse of the ownership group, they feel a lot more comfortable throwing their weight around and treating Roma as a club that shouldn't be kowtowing to bigger clubs in Italy or in Europe.
0: Yeah, and I think the first signal of intent was when they appointed Jose Mourinho. And we all knew it was a big deal and we celebrated that as such, but I think we looked at it as, okay, he's coming here and lowering his standards, not so much the freaking and company are trying to raise a profile of Roma. And so whether it's a mixture of PTSD from the Monchi debacle or um, you know, Mourinho's track record, for during his stints at Man U and Spurs, where he's not getting the guys that he necessarily wants. And it goes up in flames. When you combine that with a relatively unproven GM like Pinto, I think all of our expectations were, well, Mourinho is going to have to work with, with what he got, with what he has. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get an Abraham here and there as we saw in that first summer. But I think a profile a signing of this profile, I don't think any of us probably could have anticipated that even if, We had qualified for the Champions League last season. I don't think this would have been on our radar. I think it would have been something we would have thought was more plausible. But actually making it happen, I don't, I don't know that we would have thought we would have seen that happening.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point. How everybody saw it as Jose lowering his standards because people said he was washed or whatever. Instead, he's helped along with the Freakins, is raising Roma's standard. Right. This is probably. I guess, on paper in terms of finances and everything, the smallest club he's managed since his Porto days. I mean, Spurs would be pretty close to us, I guess, closest thing. And here he is. And I think the Abraham signing was like a gift from the Freakins in Pinto, like give us some time. I'm sure this was all discussed before he signed the contract. Like the first year is going to have to be a little bit like an austerity type budget because we have to clear out some dead weight. You know, year two, we're going to get you more of what you need. And Mm this signing is is huge right i mean it's been a fairly quiet mercato up until this Matic on the free selic coming in for under 10 million quality you know right back uh a bit older defensive mid but someone he trusts and now he gets his star attacker there's rumors that they're still negotiating with belotti if belotti's willing to come as a reserve i mean that's a hell of a signing if it happens we don't know um we'll get into what else they need in a little bit but i think you're absolutely right. The the standards that the Freakins are setting for Roma are being raised, right? It's not like, oh, we have to do with this second-tier player anymore. Dybala is a, one of the biggest names in Italy and has been now for almost, I don't know, seven, eight years since his Palermo days. And it almost gives you a little bit more hope that the stadium will get done because Palotto was all about – he was like that dog that the bark is worse than the bite. The Freakins don't bark. They just they just get down to business. And that's, I saw – I saw a great tweet today from uh, one of the popular Roma accounts the Rossi's tattoo. And it was a, uh, the video of when the fans at the parade for the conference, like Victor were chanting, like, bring us Dybala. And it was like, Dan's turn to somebody. And, and the caption was like, Dan currently asking like, what is the Dybala and how do we get them? Like, you know, cause you know, there are these Americans, not really that familiar. I'm sure with a lot of uh, the players and stuff coming over, but they are getting the job done. So We'll see what the rest of the Mercato brings. Now, one of the big things, big debates once the big news broke was what number is Dybala going to wear? Because that number 10 jersey since Totti retired, I guess we're going on about five years now was, has been in, in the closet, so to speak. Right. And you know, who deserves to wear the number 10? Will it be Zaniolo one day? He's our next star. Should it be Pellegrini? He's the new Roman captain. He's starting to live up to that standard. And now is should it be Dybala? And, Reports say he's going to be wearing the number 21. So I guess it's a little bit of a moot point now. But what would, how would you have felt if DiBala came in and, and took the number 10?
2: Personally, I mean, I cannot think of a player who, in terms of style of play, uh, would have been a better fit for the 10 jersey if we were signing someone to directly take it on. Uh, I'm fine with him not taking it. I know that Totti apparently told him weeks ago when we were first rumored to be signing, interested in signing Dybala, you can take the 10. Um, but it sounds like he's not taking it. I would have been fine with him taking it. I still am sentimental and love the idea of someone either coming through the academy or being a young signing who eventually earns the 10 uh, by, by coming up through the system. I wonder if, in the next several years, if um, Zaniolo might take it for himself. I'm not sure. Uh, I think that at this point, both Zaniolo and Pellegrini are getting to the point where they're kind of developing their own uh, reputations on their own numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So like Zaniolo 22 is like a pretty iconic number in its own way, as is the seven. So I could see them both being satisfied with that, you know, maybe down the road, another guy comes up who takes that 10 on. I will just say though, that like We are get, this will be year five of us not having anyone wear the number 10. I do think that after a certain point, if players like Dybala are turning it down, um, it's going to become very, very hard for anyone to ever wear it again. And I I told you you didn't want it retired. I don't want it retired. I hope that somebody eventually takes it.
0: Yeah, I don't want it retired either. I mean, when you say it's been five years, like, that's crazy. I feel like I just (laughs) remember watching his retirement ceremony, like, yesterday. Um, and the fact that we're here five years later and, um, you know, still on un- still unworn is uh, a little crazy, but, and I think a lot of people are saying, we're saying, okay, let's, let's wait for Pellegrini to develop and um, give it to him. And I think, but at the same time, I think that he, he did his part to shy away from those Tati comparisons, especially when they were happening in negative connotation, and that people were saying, oh, he's trying too hard to be like Tati, like do your own thing, play the simple pass. And now he's finally starting to get over that label where he was a Tati tryhard. And so I, th- I think for, for from my perspective, I would prefer him just to continue on with the seven, make it his own iconic number, similarly to Rossi in the 16 shirt. Um, in terms of Dybala getting the 10 shirt, I would have loved to see it. I think... Um, one of our commenters on Twitter made a great point where the longer this goes on, where nobody's wearing the Jersey, the harder it's going to be for somebody to fill those shoes. So might as well rip the bandaid off and what better player to do so than Dybala who has Tati's blessing, who has the quality to fill those shoes. Um, So I'm a little disappointed that he's going this 21 route, if that actually ends up being the case. And I think if he's not going to take it, then I don't, I don't know who who is it has. It, I would imagine it has to be an academy product who just blows everybody away. But up until then, I don't know any player currently on the roster or a potential, you know, signing down the road who have been take that number for themselves.
1: Yeah, I would have had no problem with him taking the 10. I know there was a lot of people who said, oh, you shouldn't take it. It's Toti's number. But if Toti gave the blessing, I was fine with it. I personally like the number 21 because that's the number I wore playing uh, baseball and soccer and everything else growing up. So that's my, my personal favorite number. So I won't mind seeing him wear 21, but it uh, it's a bit of a throwback to his, I guess, uh, early days at Juve. And he wears it for Argentina because he's not getting the 10 for Argentina until Messi retires, if he ever does, right? So I guess he's perfectly comfortable in the 21. But I think you guys are right. I, I love Pellegrini in the seven. I'd like him to create his own reputation there like he's begun to, like De Rossi did with the 16, right? 16 was never like an iconic number until De Rossi wore it. Uh, it's not a number you think of with, with football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, because there's 11 guys on the pitch. Usually those first 11 are the, the big numbers, you know, maybe one day Zaniolo explodes. Uh, and, he, you know, one thing to keep him in town a little longer is, you know, we, you could be, you're the next number 10. Maybe that happens one day, but at this point, you're right. I don't see anybody besides maybe Dybalo switching at some point or Zaniolo getting it uh, because I don't think, I don't think Pellegrini maybe wants that. You know, I think he maybe does want to create his own reputation, but I would have been fine with him getting it. So we'll see him in the number 21. So speaking of number 21, what are we going to get in that Jersey this season uh, from Paulo Dybala? So before we talk about him, let me just read some of his numbers. So obviously we know his minutes have been limited. You know, he's usually around in the best of seasons a 2000, a minute season kind of guy, you know, he'll start about 25 to 30 matches. um, And injuries have been an issue at times, but A really nice bounce back season when you think about it this season because he had 10 goals and five assists in just just about 2,000 minutes. So solid numbers from him. You know, he can play as a a second striker off of Tammy if they want to play a a straight up like three five three four one two with Pellegrini behind him. He could play more in a three, four, two, one alongside Pellegrini in that uh, attacking mid or even a winger situation if they go to a four, two, three, one, which we'll get into those permutations in a minute. But just comparing his numbers, uh, his his scoring for a uh, attacking mid or winger, goals per 90, 87th percentile. His total shots is in the 99th percentile. He shoots 4.2 times per 90 minutes, so he will create opportunities for himself and also create opportunities for his teammates with uh, 4.2 shot creating actions per match. Uh, his progressive pass passes received, 7.74 per match, so he finds himself in good spaces. Uh, progressive passing and progressive carries are good numbers, so he's a, he's a creative player, right? He's just like that classic Fantastita. Uh, I can't pronounce the word in Italy, but like that that playmaker that just really he dazzles when he's on the ball, right?
2: Yeah, without a doubt, um I think that he's honestly the perfect complement to what we already have up front. We have Tammy who, if you feed him the ball, will be able to make things happen. You have Pellegrini who is Definitely a playmaker of a type, but not the same type. He's not a guy who's necessarily inclined towards taking a bunch of long shots in the way that DiBala can successfully take those shots. Uh, and he's a different type from Zaniolo as well. And, this, and so I think that a lot of people correctly pointed out that last season, the link between the midfield and the attack was sometimes not 100% solid. And I think that having a guy like DiBala there we'll do a very good job of whether he's in a second striker role or more of an attacking midfielder role um, of linking whoever is in that midfield, whether it's Matic, whether it's Cristante, whether it's uh, another signing that I assume we'll discuss later in the podcast. Um, I think he'll do a very good job of linking those players to this forward contingent that we already have Pellegrini, Abraham, Zaniolo, and himself.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's uh I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious on the formation that Mourinho is going to go with or how he's going to get the combination of Saniolo, Pellegrini, Abraham and Debal all on the pitch at the same time. Um, in my mind, if we're playing, trying to play that one touch counterattacking football that we saw, that was so devastating, particularly, you know, against Bodo, for example. Um, I think I would like to see Dabala alongside Tammy in that front too. And have Pellegrini in behind, but you know where does that leaves where does that leaves who also can be devastating on the counter with Dybala putting balls into into him and Tammy. So, I mean, it doesn't hurt to have those options available to you, and I think you can't really go wrong um, with either option. I think in term, I think one of the big concerns with Dybala is his health, um, which area of the pitch is less likely to Um, have that accumulation of wear and tear on Dybala. Maybe it's that second striker next to Tammy where Tammy's probably taking those big bruiser center backs um, away from Dybala and he can kind of glide into space from there. I think that could be a great option to go with, but um, you know, really can't go wrong with either option.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And like we said, the, the risk of this signing is not even the money because the money's within Roe's wage structure from what we've seen it's can he stay on the field, right? I mean, I'm just looking back at his numbers. He's just turned 28 later. He's going to be 28 later this season, right? So we're looking at a player who came up with Palermo at 18 years old and said, yeah, got relegated, went to B, brought them back up. At 20 years old, had 13 goals and 10 assists for Palermo, right? Not, not a big club. And then went to UVA, 19 goals, 9 assists, 11 goals, 7 assists. His big, big goal scoring season was 27, uh, 2017, 2018, 22 goals and 3 assists. Uh, in Serie A. And then he had a, not a great season in 18-19, bounced back 11-6, and last season was four and three. And then he came back with 10-5 this season. So the reward is potentially a guy who can score almost 20 goals probably, or over 20 goals if he's really clicking, if the Roma's attack really gets going. And I think you're right. He, he, he complements the players we have already because Tammy's that out-and-out striker. Nico's kind of the big bruising winger, uh, second striker type player. Pellegrini is the guy who can thread thread the needle with a pass, can shoot, can score some goals. I mean, we said Roman needed more goals this season. That was really what hurt them this year was most of the goals came from Tammy and, and Pellegrini. Now, if Zaniolo's health is good, which it looked like last year, and he starts to get back his form like we saw against Bodo and like we saw in the final against Feyenoord, and then you bring in a guy, if Dybala scores 10 to 15 goals, that's a huge boost to the team, and he probably sets up. Tammy and, and Nico for a few others so I think this is a low risk high reward signing I, I think you know this is something that can really take Roma to the next level so you brought up the formations Brandon I mean we know historically Mourinho's played the 4-2-3-1 last year was a lot of three four one two. say with Roma this uh you know in terms of getting Pellegrini behind Tammy and Nico for the most part uh kind of protect the defense a little bit without that true defensive midfielder it's been three-man defenses for the first two matches of preseason. Where do we see Roma going now? Because I I know a lot of the conversation on Twitter that I've seen is, how do you fit Tammy, Nico, Lolo, and Dybala at the same time on the pitch? Or do they all have to be on the same pitch at the same time?
0: I think, I don't know. I think they do have to be on the same pitch at the same time, especially um, there's so many rumors about Zaniolo leaving, I think if you're keeping him around, it's under the promise that you're going to get sufficient game time. I know. I'm I'm not sure really what the the formation situation would be at Juventus if he went over there. I think he probably would find playing hard, playing time harder to come by than he expects. But, um, you know, if he's sticking around, then you want him on the pitch and you're keeping him for a reason because you could get big money from him in theory. So, you have to put all four on the pitch. And I think Pellegrini is the one that you sacrifice to an extent and have him play a little deeper than maybe he's used to um, with Debala playing in behind Tammy and Zaniolo. And you keep the formation, what it's been the last two preseason games or what, what it was um, the second half of last season where it's the three in the back, And, um, but I know a lot of people are against that and think that Pellegrini shouldn't be moved from that attacking midfielder role at any cost. So in that scenario, then you have to sacrifice Zaniello because he doesn't show that he, you know, can play as a center midfielder and you're not going to put him on the wing, um, that Karsdorp is, is playing in and Zellick is going to rotate with. So, um. I think for me, it's it's kind of a question of, are you comfortable putting Pellegrini a little bit deeper?
2: Yeah, I would a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think that you gotta, they all gotta be on the pitch at the same time. You do not like, I could argue pretty successfully that those four are our four best players in the squad period, regardless of whether we're talking attack, midfield, defense, goalkeeper, you don't, you don't keep one some of your best players on the bench. You especially don't keep a player like Zaniolo on the bench when the whole point of last season was to try to get his legs back so that he could get back to being, you know, kind of the hundred percent star that we know he can be. Uh, I think that Pellegrini can and should be in the midfield. Um, I think that he could work well that way. I also think that it's kind of Mourinho's job to change his tactics when better players come in that are like must starts. If you've got four must starts and you know they might not necessarily fit in the formation you were using, well, then you, you you switch up your formation. And I think it's important to note that Mourinho did switch up his formation last season. It wasn't his typical formation that he likes using. So I wouldn't be surprised if he switches it again to accommodate Dybala, Abraham, Pellegrini and Zaniolo.
1: Yeah, I I'm part of the camp that finds it hard to move Pellegrini too deep into the midfield at this point, just because he was so good last year as the, the number 10, right? And he had his best season. He's, he's broken out. Now you're right. If you play the three man back line, that leaves the odd man out. And that would probably be in this scenario, Zanjolo, you think, right? Most of the time. But I think the thing that's important to remember is Roma's playing Serie A and the Europa League. And if they want to compete for minimum top four at this point, and then still compete for the Europa League trophy, Depth became an issue last year. So there will be opportunities where if Mourinho decides to play a 3 4 1 2 or 3 4 2 1, somebody's going to need a rest. Dibal's got an injury history. zaniolo has got an injury history. Pellegrini and Tammy, you don't want to run them into the ground. So I think there are opportunities if he wants to play a 3 4 1 2 a lot of the time to rotate, especially during the two match weeks. But I also think there are times where a 4-2-3-1 might fit this team best. So you can get all four of them in the attack without p- pulling Pellegrini too deep into the midfield. And I think a key to that might be Selic, because Selic is more defensively sound than Karsdorff. Maybe the matches that, you know, you go with the two center backs, maybe Selic plays with uh, Matic and another, if another midfielder comes in, who's a little more defensive or Cristante, who can play defensive if he has to, to shore things up in front of the defense, maybe that's an option because Marino did mention, at times last year, that teams have to be tactically flexible. He realizes that matching up against certain opponents, maybe the four-man backline works best, maybe against some the three-man backline works best. But I do think he'll find plenty of time for all four of these guys, whether they all start on match day one or not. I don't know because it depends what, you know, he sees against a smaller opponent. They're starting with, I believe it's Cremonese, uh, the first match, the, the newcomers, so they'll have some room to experiment the rest of this preseason I think and that first month of the season the, the big match is Juve and then outside of that it's a lot of those smaller clubs so maybe they can switch things up a couple matches and see how it works I, I do think they'll all get plenty of playing time though especially if you don't want to get DiBala too far over that 2000 minute mark in the league and then still play him in those big Europa League matches when they might draw an EPL team or a La Liga side so I think they'll find ways to use them all but I, I don't know if I would move Pellegrini deep into the midfield to start. that that's that's the one thing that worries me. I know there's um, a lot of debate about that on Twitter right now and and in social media right now because of how good Pellegrini was last year.
2: I think that Pellegrini has shown himself to have the quality to be able to work in different positions. I don't think that it's just like he I don't think that he needs to be catered to to the extent that some people who are big supporters of him believe. Uh, I think that he's got a lot of quality and that will show itself, whether it's in a more attacking midfielder role or a midfield role. Um, I also think that assuming that Roma is able to find the appropriate DM or even the appropriate midfielder with just more defensive qualities to pair with him in the midfield that Pellegrini will be just fine. Uh, We saw how lackluster Roma's midfield last last season was because the midfielders weren't paired well together. Um, I don't think anyone would doubt that Cristante and Vertu are, you know, at least decent players, but the combination of the two just didn't work. Um, I think that if we make the right signings, and, you know, I think Matic actually kind of qualifies as one of the right signings, that would work well with Pellegrini in the midfield. Uh, So I'm pretty optimistic that if he got shifted over to the midfield,
1: things could work out. Yeah, I agree in that sense. I think if you do drop him and I, I don't think he would have any quarrel with Mourinho for you know, playing a deeper role if it's going to make the team better. He's, you know, he's got the, the captain's armband for a reason because he's a, a team guy. I do agree, though, that it's got to be a Matich or a, a true DM to pair with him because Pellegrini will stick a foot in there now you know, more than he would have earlier in his career, but you do need a defensively sound player next to him, I think, to shore things up.
0: Any chance we can get Mingolo um, Conte from Chelsea? You think they're, <laughs> yeah. they're willing to pair them up? I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just let Pellegrini play like the Jorginho role and just, just, yeah, just exactly. <laughs> kick passes around. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, tomorrow. They play Sporting Lisbon in Portugal. That'll be the first one. I don't expect Dybala to play. He's not even officially announced yet, but you might see Mourinho toy with things formation wise to maybe, you know, plant some seeds here. We'll see. Or if he keeps things close to the vest and saves it for, the first match of the season we'll see but I, I I trust in Mourinho at this point I mean the guy's been there done that he's had plenty of great players play for him and like he was saying all last season you need depth to win and, and Roma is filling that depth for him so we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we are going to come back with what comes next in the Mercato to really fill up this Roma team to bolster for Mourinho and to see what our expectations are now after this Dybala signing all right so we're back from our quick commercial break so Guys, DiBala, I think, will end up being the marquee signing of this Mercato. I think we can agree on that. You know, he is the big name. But Roma's certainly not done the Mercato. Pinto has some dead weight to clear out still, namely players like Clovert, Carlos Perez seems to be on the way out. Diwara, Darboe, uh, among some others. Some of the younger players might get loaned out, like a, a Fenejan. We'll see. Um, but what arrivals do you see having to happen to really fill out this Roma side to have it not only competitive for the top four, but the Europa League crown and maybe even pushing higher into Serie A. What do you think, Steven? What do I think? Oh, I think first and foremost, there has to be a midfielder coming in, right? I mean, I don't know. Vertu's been quiet now in terms of exit rumors because I don't think they have that midfielder completely lined up yet. I think two ends up going at some point too, but... I, I want Fratezi, Fratezi. The Lynx have been there all summer, but it seems like Sassuolo is playing hardball. Him and Skamaka both have not left Sassuolo yet, which makes me think Sassuolo is trying to, you know, hold on for every nickel and dime and penny they can get. Um, because from all reports, there's still no, you know, end in that transfer rumor, which, which worries me a little bit because he seems like a, a, a potential great signing for Roma, Not just because he's Roma, but because he had a really strong season for Sassuolo as I think a 22-year-old. But I do think some kind of midfielder has to come in. Does it have to be a true DM? I don't think it has to be a true DM because Matic is there to to play as a true DM. But certainly someone who can play with a little more uh, defensive aptitude than, say, Vertu does. Um, Someone that can pair with Cristante or Matic. But I do think maybe even two midfielders come in still. There's still plenty of time. It's only mid-July. I know there's been talk about a center back, a left footed center back too. that Sinezi is still linked, which those links cooled a lot in June and into July, but now they're back recently that Roma could be looking at a center back again, which I think if Roma buys another center back and they don't sell one, I think you're definitely looking at a three man back line most of the time. Cause why would you need five center backs? Right. Especially when you have uh, pretty established players in there. And, um, I don't know. I think, I think it's definitely midfield first though. I think you have to shore up the midfield, whether it's Fratezi and another rotational type piece or a, another DM and, and then an, another player to replace like Diwara there uh, too. Cause you're, you're talking about, you know, selling three midfielders and uh, Oliveira already went too.
0: Yeah. I was going to go defensive midfielder center back. And I think for what you just said about if they, um, they bring in another center back without offloading anybody, then it's clear that Mourinho intends to stick with three in the back for this upcoming season. Um, so I'm a little, you know, a little more cautious on whether or not they should go go that route. But um, just for the sake of versatility, um, but Smalling has his injury history, so you know that could essentially just be covered for Smalling in case he were to go down again. Um, and then I think slight disagreement. I do think that realm we should focus on getting a true defensive midfielder just because with Montice's legs and the minutes and hit you know the minutes that he's accumulated over his career that banking on him is your lone true defensive midfielder is a bit of a gamble I'm not particularly comfortable with um and I think if you're just looking for somebody to have defensive elements but still be a midfielder I mean Cristante fills that role pretty pretty well so I don't I think the focus should be on that but this whole summer that we've thought that, you know, Mr. X quote unquote was going to be a defensive midfielder. Now that de is in, I don't know that they have the ability to break the bank, at least while they're on the stock exchange still. So, um, that remains to be seen, but even if it's similar to, um, a Matic, you know, a little more experienced defensive midfielder, I think that's probably the route that they should be going.
1: Yeah. I think you make a great point about Montage. You need somebody who can play defensive besides him because I just I looked up his last three seasons at United 1,382 minutes last season 1,106 the season before that and 1,581 the season before that so he is not going to be a minutes eater for Roma you know he might p- feature in some big matches if you know Marini wants a guy he can quote-unquote trust from his past but you're right they do need someone else who can fill that role I think
2: Yeah, I mean, I personally think that Fertizzi is still pretty likely to come in. I've seen this game be played before with practically every signing that Roma has done. Um, I feel like this happened with Abraham. This happened with, you know, most big signings that Roma does. There's like some tango between the different DSs saying like, oh, well, maybe they won't actually sign him. And then eventually and they keep talking about it for a while. And then eventually the guy is signed. Um, The will of the player is clearly there. I think that he's a good fit in a short, medium and long-term sense with the club. Uh, and you guys are right that I don't think Matt Titch is necessarily going to be just like a minutes eater. Like I doubt he'll be starting every single match. Instead I see him more as like a veteran blue guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I personally wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a week or two from now, uh, Karna Vali, who's the DS of Sassuolo starts realizing that his valuations of, uh, players he's been trying to sell from Sassuolo are a bit insane. Um, and like only PSG seems to be interested in spending the money that he's demanding. Uh, and given that, I wouldn't, I, I think that Fritesi probably will still happen. I, I, and it's, I think that's even more likely considering how Roma has been spending their money this summer. I, they've been not dropping a huge amount of cash on transfer fees. They've been paying good salary to players. But they haven't, nece- like Dybala's is coming in with agent fees that are probably, I think, around like five to six million euros, um, for example. And sure, they're paying him a decent amount of money in salary, but at the same time, salary is spread out in a way that a transfer fee generally isn't, unless you're Barcelona um, or, or Juventus, I guess, because they both apparently super spread out their transfer fees these days. Um, point being, I would say that there does seem like there's a possibility that Fratesi comes in. I think that he's likely to be the big money signing, even if in terms of impact and star power, Dybala is obviously the star signing of the summer.
1: Yeah. I'm curious to see if this drags out, how willing Sassuolo is to go down. I think Carnaval is starting, certainly playing the negotiation game right now, right? It's still early in the summer. He's under no pressure to sell from what what, from what I've read financially, Seth is in fine shape not to sell any other stars, but how long are these guys going to want to stick around? I don't know if they want like some of these young ambitious players want to stay another season. We don't, we don't know, but you know, is it going to cost them Volpato? Is it going to cost them somebody else? It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm looking at the like current free agents from steady Nobody really strikes strikes me as being a defensive mid type player, you know, in case Roma was looking to maybe go another free agent route, but if, you know, Belotti has been linked if they want to shore up their forward depth a little bit more, but if they go after Belotti, where's that leave Shamoradov, right? Because I don't see how Shamoradov fits if you sign Belotti on a free. I think you're muted, Brendan.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've been saying since last season, I think Eldor needs to to pack his bag. So I wouldn't be too upset about that if they brought in Belotti, but they paid what, 20 million for Shamoradov? So that's... Yeah, that's
1: the issue, yeah, right?
0: You're not going to get that money back, Um so I, I don't i don't see a scenario in which he um, leaves unless you're just willing to eat that loss but um, which is why I was surprised about the Belotti links just because um, i know several of the forwards are rumored to leave but with you know you're bringing tobale in, who in theory could play as a second striker and zaniola we've seen plays as a second striker and you already have Shimurov on there um it's a pretty crowded striker room uh, forward room when you when you um, when you throw Belotti in the mix too but
2: I yeah. don't think a happening. For yeah. That I time. don't, I don't
0: either. That's the I, Yeah. Like, I, I don't, anticipate it makes no sense it. to
2: me in terms of the depth chart. Like we're already, we already spent like a good five to 10 minutes talking about like where are we going to put all these forwards? And then yeah. we're going to add Andrea Bolotti, who first of all, I'm not the biggest fan of at this point in his career, but second of all, like he's a guy who wants to be at least part of the Italian national team setup, right? Like in some way, shape or form. And we're going to tell him, you're going to be like second or third choice forward and there's no chance of you starting. Like, I doubt that he wants that. I think he's probably going to go to Monaco, get a big payday, and Good for him.
1: Yeah. I think that's the kind of signing you make if you're in the champions league, right? Where you need two high quality strikers. You're competing for the Scudetto and for the champions league, something like that. It's hard to see him coming to be the backup to Tammy. When Tammy proved he can eat plenty of minutes last season, he's not going to need, 10 to 15 Serie A matches off so that would be an interesting thing it's just interesting to me that the links are still there but I don't know defensive mid I think we can agree is is the the position of need the one thing I did see which was interesting when when people are talking tactics with this this Dybala signing is that if you did transition back to a 4-2-3-1 and Zaniolo and Dybala were your wingers they both play pretty narrow they're more comfortable playing narrow than wide so it kind of defeats the purpose of going to a 4-2-3-1 a little bit which kind of brings you back to the point you guys made earlier where dropping Pellegrini next to a true DM maybe makes more sense in terms of the player characteristics so that's something to keep an eye on because some people mentioned well we might need wingers then if you go to a four two three one one because they're not true wingers so that it, it's it'll be interesting to see where Roma goes but I think midfield has to be where they go and then we'll see if Solbaching comes if Perez does leave that's the link that's been around I mean what do you how do you guys feel about that as uh you know, Perez out and Solbakken in. Solbakken
2: in makes a lot more sense to me than Balotti at, at a minimum, uh, because I imagine that we won't be paying him a huge amount of salary. Um, I also imagine that he'd be more fine with starting out as a rotational player and trying to build up his reputation. This is a guy coming from the Norwegian league, not, you know, Torino, which is, you know, has, has, as a club gone through rougher periods recently, but it's still, you know, a relatively big club in the grand scheme of things. Uh I have never really understood why we signed Carlos Perez. I, I think that he's got talent down there, but it just seemed like he never really fit with what any of the managers we've had were, were trying to do. I also think he's way more suited to La Liga than he is to Serie A. I think they have very different characteristics of leagues. Um, so I, I think it'd be best for him if we were able to move on. And Solbach at least pre- presents like a new idea in that role. Um, I also don't know how many minutes he's really going to see. Uh, I don't know how much a backup to Zaniolo Dybala is going to see, because let's say Zaniolo is out because of yellow cards, because he picks those up a lot. Like Dybala will probably play in that spot, right? Like I imagine that I, I just don't, I feel like we're very short up in the depth in the forward department right now. And especially considering Mourinho's, comfort with playing younger players. Like we haven't mentioned Nikola Zalewski yet, but I would imagine that he's going to be thought of as more of a forward. And if you look at what we've been seeing so far in preseason, I mean, he's looked somewhere between a fullback and a forward, um, which is how he's usually operated. Uh, Ditto with other young players like uh, Volpato. Like I think that it seems pretty clear to me that we, we gave him an extension. We see him as part of the future in a short to medium term sense. We don't need to fill up the bench with a bunch of guys in their mid twenties looking to break out. If we've got a bunch of teenagers looking to break out too.
1: I think you make a great point there because I completely forgot to mention uh, Eduardo Bove from what i read last friendly, I, I know it was against like a city and or something, but from what I read, he played very well. 20 um, year old midfielder with defensive qualities, right? So maybe he's that second midfield signing, quote-unquote signing, because he didn't really play last year. He played like one or two matches. And then you bring in a Fratesi, and maybe the midfield's complete with Matic and Cristante and then potential Pellegrini dropping back. So maybe they don't need to spend on a second midfielder if Bove is up to snuff in these these preseason matches against some of the bigger clubs like Sporting Lisbon, say, will be one of the better teams they play. Could be interesting. Um, And then another name I I thought of, a name that has been linked here and there, is Florian Grillich he's on a free still. I haven't seen him sign anywhere yet. I don't know if you guys have seen any rumors with him recently, but he's a defensive midfielder. Maybe if Roma can't, doesn't want to spend on two transfers, maybe bring in Fratezzi and a player like him. And he fills that more defensive role in tandem with Matic and a rotation with Matic. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think with Grilich, the last thing I saw was, you know, the links to Fiorentina and that collapsed. And um, because he fits a specific need, I would be on board with that for sure. In terms of Solbakken, I think part of the problem, and it's a great problem to have when you bring in a player like Tabala is that you're um, you know, our expectations are raised where it's champions league, potentially Scudetto Europa league title. And so when you're talking about those objectives, you're not thinking about, you know, players like Solbaken, who um, still needs to come into their own and develop their game and whatnot. Um, and you're thinking about Mr. X uh, in that defensive midfielder role, who, who you want to bring in for that. And so it, it's hard for me to think about some of these more uh, rotational depth p- uh, moves, but with Clibert and Perez and um, El-Sharari, all potentially headed for the exit door, I guess, I suppose it makes sense to bring in a Slobock in, but I think when you're building a team like, Roma is at this current stage, I think you need to address specific needs. So unless, um, you know, you have that plethora of wingers leave the club, then you can think about a Slovakian, Um, it, which is the same, another reason why, um, you know, Bilotti didn't make much sense just because that, that room is crowded. So I think, I think when you, when you start getting to this level, it needs to be more about specific needs than anything.
1: Yeah, I think if a soul backing comes, he, he's a young player, so he's going to be hungry, right? But I think he will come with the understanding of that he is, you know, second, third depth in certain positions. And he'll probably play against some of the smaller clubs during two match weeks, and he'll get runouts off the bench and things like that. And I think he would come in with an eye of developing him toward the next couple seasons as well, along with like if a Volpato sticks around, if he's not included in a Fratesi deal, right? So there are players that are going to have to accept a role. And I think with younger players, it's easier to get them to accept that reserve type role uh, than an Andrea Belotti would, right. Or some of those type players. And that's why Shimordov maybe after this season goes, because maybe he's not happy at 27 years old being a reserve when he he kind of sees his career going, maybe not down the route. He thought it was going to, when he signed with Roma, I just looked up Grillich and the latest reports are that he may be signing with Galatasaray. So that would be an interesting move for him. So I don't know, Pinto, might be time to swoop and uh, try to bring him in on a free because you might be able to get him at a decent salary. I, I don't know what he's getting there, but that that would certainly be a certainly unforeseen move for him to go to Turkey, I think.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Alex like Hacer, keeping up with all the Roma rumor rumors and yeah. <laughs> swooping up
1: the targets. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely would be an interesting one. So, I mean, I guess now it comes to what are our expectations for the season, depending on how the Mercato plays out, I guess, where do you see Roma currently in the current grand scheme of Serie A projected type finish for you? And what do they need to maybe take it to the next level, another place or two higher, or even push those top teams for much of the season? So, you know, uh, the latest rumor, and maybe not even rumor at this point is that Bremer is going to be going to Juve. That would be a 35 plus 5 million euro bonus signing for them. It'd be about half the delict money going there. And then, they're apparently focusing on bringing back Alvaro Morata rather than Zaniolo. Fine, stay away. Maybe, maybe Zaniolo was always staying and just looking for oh that. No. Oh no! just looking for that raise, right? Because one thing I, I wanted to just bring up quick with him before we get into our, our expectations is if Zaniolo would never have worn the armband last match in the second half, in my opinion. If he was leaving, there's no way Mourinho gives him the armband and says, "Here, put on the armband. You're leaving us in two weeks or something." So I, I, I think that kind of quells those rumors in my mind.
2: He's getting a renewal in September. You can, you can book it. I mean, he's going to, like, even if they intend on selling him next year, even if their agreement is like, hey, you get one more season with us and then go wherever you want, they're going to give him a renewal so that if he shows up this season, it's a big transfer fee. Uh, this team has shown itself to be very aware of how important situation is when dealing with transfers, whether it's signing Mourinho, whether it's signing DiBala, whether it's signing Tammy Abraham. They've pounced on special specific situations that make transfer fees smaller or non-existent. They're not going to let a star player go for cheap because their contract's running down. So I, I expect the renewal to happen. I expect him to be put in kind of the Pellegrini-Abraham level of salary. I think that's a fair evaluation of where the club sees him in terms of like club hierarchy. Uh, Some people might quibble considering his performance last season wasn't, you know, a superstar level. Uh, But I think that he obviously has, if you, if you took a look at the Italian media at any point over the next two months, you could see that the past two months, you could see that he was certainly a hot topic, a guy who brings a lot of attention to Roma and you pay money for that. Um, Simple as that.
0: Yeah, I think he said that way
1: too confidently, and now he's as good as gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to assume Zaniolo is sticking around for our current expectations. Uh, we're assuming uh, Juve is signing Bremer. They've signed Paul Di Maria, those players. Uh, Inter, rough rough day for them. Uh, they had Bremer hijacked, and then, you know, they earlier in the summer thought Dybala was going there. He's not. Uh, so where do you see Roma in this this current carnation of their roster
0: i think that they easily replace napoli in the top four i think napoli losing who they've lost and also missing out on tabala <laughs> that they're they're due for a fifth or sixth place p- finish um i think depending on who they get the rest of the, mar- the Mercato, the i don't think it's crazy to talk about the title um, depending on who exactly they bring in, but I think as currently constructed, Juve probably is a bridge too far. Um, I'm anticipating Milan to regress at some point because it just doesn't seem sustainable in terms of um, the quality of players that they have. But if they continue to progress, I mean, I, I don't, you know, they could also keep at the current level that they're at. And then as for Inter, I know that they've been disappointed, but You know, over the last couple of days, but they brought back Lukaku, who was MVP of the league a a couple of years back. So they're always going to be a threat. So I think right now comfortably fourth place. But depending who they bring in, definitely a title push. I wouldn't see is out of the question.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that things are going to be very tight in the top four this season. Um, If you look at every club, I would say that they've gotten most of them have gotten better. uh, But I would say that Roma has gotten the most better and kept their, their parts that are necessary. Uh, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if with any spot between fourth and second next season for the club, I would be, I would be surprised with first, um, let's be honest, because that hasn't happened since what 2001. Uh, but at the same time, I think that Roma doesn't make the signings that they've made over the past 72 hours, but even more broadly, just since the start of kind of this Mourinho era, without the intent of being in the Champions League next season, uh, whether that's by winning Europa League or getting a top four place. Uh, I, I see this club as shooting for that, and I think it's realistic to assume that Champions League football will be on the cards for the next season some way or other.
1: Yeah, I, I think fourth place is minimum, even with the current roster. If, if the season started today, Roma didn't sign another midfielder, I'd be confident in, in top four, especially with – the losses that Napoli has had with Coulibaly, Insigne, and Mertens all currently no longer there. Maybe Mertens comes back kind of free. There, there's some talk about that. I know some Napoli fans are saying, <laughs> I guess it's the bitter pill they had as well, that Dave Delefayle was a better signing than Nibala at this point. I, I had a good chuckle at that. Um, so I, I would put Roma top four right now. Um, I looked at the odds that Vegas or whoever the books are that make the soccer odds are putting out there, and um, Roma was Plus 1600 to finish top four, which was which was currently behind Napoli, but without the Dybala signing being official, I'm sure they'll those will those will fluctuate a bit. Um, you know, Juve, Inter, and Milan are of course the favorites for top three. If Roma sign the right midfielders, I, I agree with Brand. I think a title push is possible. Will they win the title? I would not bet money on it, right? I wouldn't stake anything on that because I I wouldn't want to jinx it either. Because we've <laughs> we've seen plenty of times where Roma finished second by like three points. I mean the number of times I've seen Roma finish second in like my 16 years as a a fan is unbelievable. It's painful, but I I do think they're the goal this season, get into the champions league, maybe push for top three, even if they can sign the right midfielders and see where the chips fall at the end of the season. And then maybe really set Mourinho up for next season, because guess what? If they get delisted from the the Italian stock exchange, which apparently they're 1% away from doing right now, they might really be able to cook something up in terms of signing players and and the books and things like that. Maybe the stadium gets approved and they know the revenue stream will be coming in a couple of years. I mean, the Freakins are amb- ambitious. I'm not putting it past them to make another couple of signings and really push for the title. If they see the the kinks in the armor of teams like, you know, Milan and maybe, you know, Inter. I think Brandon made a good point with Lukaku coming back. He could be a 20-goal guy again. And Juve with Bremer would be a little more intimidating than they would be without him so it'll be interesting but I think minimum top four I I don't think you could shoot any lower than top four and and a deep run in the Europa League and push for that title uh, I think would have to be Marino's goals so guys I guess you know that that's what we have on Dybala anything you want to add before we we go on Dybala
0: I just need the club to announce the signing so they can put his shirt up for sale and I will be clicking add to cart ASAP
2: I already got myself a Tammy Abraham home kit when the, the home kit dropped because I really liked it. And I, I enjoy wearing it pretty much any day of the week. I will be buying a Paolo Dybala away kit the moment that that drops. Um, I would feel stupid if I didn't. So, you know, because there, there was one season, I swear, where we had the, it was the, uh, it was the Nike season with the away kit, with the Lupetto, with, the really nice collar um and i like the polo shirt collar i didn't buy it at the beginning and then it was sold out for like after like one week and i never was able to buy it and i'm still really bitter so i'm never i'm not going to make that mistake again i will be buying and buying a dibala kit they have me they have me by the short hairs they know when they've got me yeah
1: you're talking about like that cream colored one that they had a call yeah mm. I, I missed out yep. on that one too and i regret it that yep. and that the SPQR one with the polo kit. collar not is that not the same
0: year with the spqr in the derby yeah. as well.
1: That was a great kit for running. that was the one I wish yeah, I yeah, could that was have great. Oh my god! Yeah, one. I was a
0: broke college student and <laughs> <I> couldn't. <totally laughs> yeah. <hurt. laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think they jacked the price for that one too a bit. Yeah, it was like special edition. That that hurt. Well,
0: but with them, they've been doing the retro collection. So I'm hoping on the site. So I'm hoping in a few years time they'll they throw it they'll up. Have there. some mercy on us and put that one up there.
2: Yeah, I'm just hoping we go to Adidas and do like an 80s retro style kit, because that's my favorite kit that I can never buy because it's going to cost me like 400 bucks to buy if I buy it on some like site like eBay. And then you won't want to wear it either. (laughs) Yeah, the 80s like Berea um, uh, pasta sponsored kit, you know, like that. That's what we need to bring back. Get rid of digital bits.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to keep torture my wife for probably the next like 24 to 48 hours because every... Couple hours, I remind her that they signed DiBala because it annoys the hell out of her. We're, we were at my son's baptism party yesterday. And it was like toward the tail And I'm like, Mike, I'm showing her. She's like, She's like, Are you really worried about Roma? Right? I'm like, This is the biggest signing in 20 years. Yes, I am. So I went over to my friend's table who was there, and I was like, and even he had to admit he's a Laziale. He had to admit that you know he goes, I see why Roma has 38,000 season ticket holders and Latio has six because at least Roma spends money. Lotito well, doesn't do shit for his club. So that was a. Uh, Clearly, nice you've got to have
2: more baptisms man That's yeah all
1: I, can say. I mean i son. son, i don't know maybe i gotta have more kids because you know for <laughs> first couple months he's alive they win the the conference league trophy now they get DiBala. who knows what he could bring in uh his second year of life so
0: <laughs> yeah you gotta switch the the middle name to paulo uh, <laughs> <Scudetto. laughs>
1: all right so we're gonna wrap it there certainly let us know what you guys think about formations and tactics and everything else in the message boards on twitter and we thank you for listening and we'll hopefully be back in the next week or two with another big signing and some more for Marina to play with. Cause that it is, the season's coming up quick and I think now we're even more excited for it to kick off. So thanks again for listening.